Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Essential 11. As always, brought to you by Acton Academy. Acton Academy, Placer, Apogee Strong, and our friends over at discoverpraxis.com. Check out the link below to learn more about them. Uh, today's guest is none other than Miss Kara Golden. And uh, Kara is an amazing American businesswoman, entrepreneur, founder and CEO of Hint Water. Uh, you're more than likely very familiar with Hint, uh, flavor water brand that she founded in uh, 2005. She's also the author of Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And we had a rad conversation about uh, really just kind of her continued curiosity throughout her life and how much that really played into the massive impact that she is making. So please welcome Miss Kara Golden. Got the crazy, creepy lady that comes in on Zoom now, um, but got a really cool lady with us, Ms. Kara Golden. So appreciative and uh, CEO, entrepreneur, but most importantly, you are a mom of four people who you said still like you. So you're winning at this parenting game too. Welcome. I'm trying. I'm trying, <laughs> right? So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. What I've what I've realized is sort of like being an entrepreneur. This whole parenting thing. Oh. It's it's. Uh, you have to, there's no roadmap, right? Bingo. And you have to kind of, you know, go along and pivot and uh, and figure out like what today is going to bring you. Yes, and, and right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, that is literally, crazy. it is literally the uh, example that I give, you know, part of the governance council for, for the Acton Academies. Yeah. And when we have new owners coming in and they're like, okay, tell me what to expect. And I always ask them, I said, do you have, do you have kids? You know, and, and the majority of them are doing this and making these schools for their own kids. Right. So they'll, they'll say yes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's just like that. You knew how to parent perfectly until you had your kids. And then you went, holy cow, so much harder than I thought, but so much more rewarding that's entrepreneurship. Same thing. You know how to run yeah. a business until you run a business. And then you go, oh my gosh, so much harder. It's so, it, yep. it's so true. And I think it's, it's just, you know, I was talking about this to somebody, an entrepreneur the other day. I think that very, very similar to parenting, that the key thing about entrepreneurism and parenting is that what's the most exhausting thing is, is not that you can't figure it out, it's that you're you're in the journey, yeah. Right, and you have to just pay attention, and you almost have to visually kind of map it out, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Like if that there's always forks in the road, and you've got to make decisions on stuff, and it might not be the right decision, but it's a decision. As I always say, complacency will kill you. Yes. Right, and yes. you've got to just make a decision and know that even if it wasn't the right decision that you hopefully learned something and it won't turn out that bad. Yep. Uh, it, like very, very similar in many, many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And then you use that decision, good or bad, to then inform the next decision, right? And, and that's the journey. Totally. That's, so that's it's, the journey. Uh, yeah, it, it's, um, you know, it's interesting. just talking about kids, a real life example. So. I have a son that is in school in New Orleans okay. right now. So New Orleans has been, you know, hit with no multiple hurricanes yeah. while he's been there and the school keeps shutting down. Yep. And he decided that he potentially wants to transfer, mm. not because he doesn't like the school and sort of what it's all about. Uh, and he has friends there, all sure. of that kind of stuff. But he's feeling like, it's not necessarily where what he envisioned yeah. in some way. And as I started to dig in and kind of hear a little bit more from him, it was interesting sort of this next path in his journey yeah. that more small group, more this, more this. And I was like, wait, didn't we talk about this when you were looking at, yeah. you know, how big of a school you wanted to go to? And he said, yeah, but I had to go and see that. Yep. and experience it in order to come back to really validating yeah. what I wanted yep. or maybe even I couldn't even hear what you were saying until I actually saw this. So it's it's been fascinating to watch him go through this process and, you know, yep. not just say maybe at times, I told you so, of but also 
watching him think through it, which I think just points to the fact that sometimes you have to go through the process on your own and figure it out for yourself. And and you're going to learn, even if that was a wrong turn or... It, you know, it, yeah, it that's didn't it. turn out the way you wanted it to. It, it allows you to come back to maybe where you're really supposed to be right. and appreciate it. That's it. You get that appreciation, you get that perspective because now you've had that experience. And again, going back to what you said at the beginning, complacency will kill you because it doesn't allow for those experiences that then give you that perspective. Right, so that complacency ultimately leads to a lack of understanding of, of maybe who you are That's and right. where you want to go. Right, and it's that, and so we, and I love that complacency will kill you. We say, um, fire, aim, ready, ready. You know, as opposed to ready, aim, fire. We say no, fire. Make the decision first, go, and then use that outcome to go. Okay, now I can aim. Now I can, you know, try to try to go through another door and, and make another decision that you know hopefully has a little more perspective behind it. Right, and it's that same kind of thing. I totally agree. What's interesting, so I'm, I'm, what came to mind when you were talking about that and um, the allowing your young man to, to gain that perspective and, and how you kind of parenting, you know, parenting that situation, because like you said, we have the tendency to want to be like, I, I told you so, Yeah. right? Yeah. But we want them to gain that experience too. So there's an element of parenting that way and does that bleed over for you into how you run hint how you run your business or vice versa do you find yourself the way you're managing everything at hint and you guys being massively successful and all the operations that go into that do you find that bleeding into the parenting with like you know they feed each other or do you like how does that relationship look because i know i've i've had that conversation with myself a million times yeah well i Look, I think that they are all connected. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, it's always kind of bothered me when people have said, you know, keep your family separate from business. And I clearly do not have that situation. I also work with my husband, yep. uh, who is our chief operating officer. Yeah. I recruited him in early on, not in, it wasn't intentional, other than the fact that I, was sharing kind of my purpose, why I wanted to start this company. Mm-hmm. And he had a skill set that just made sense. I didn't know he was still going to be here 16 years later for, you know, to in this role. But yeah. he was definitely, it was great free labor in the beginning to help to- me haul <laughs> cases around. And, totally. and suddenly he's, you know, doing a lot more in the process. But, um, you know, I, I think that the most important thing that I've learned in, in growing a company is, look, being empathetic, mm. d- understanding the other side of the table. Uh, clearly, you know, when I'm talking to a 19-year-old mm. um, who who is uh, my son and, and I know that he's got to make his own decisions and, and I'm, I'm still the mom, so he's still... I don't need to be listening to you. I mean, you don't know what you're talking about and all of that. Um, I do believe that it's kind of similar in growing a team where you've got to be able to come in sometimes where you're not invited, Mm -hmm. where you can be helpful, but you've also got to allow mistakes to be made along the way. So very, very similar. Mm. Um, I think that the only thing that I caution people about and in both uh situations is that the 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 that the mistakes what's the what's the worst that can happen how much how much is this mistake going to cost me yeah right yeah and it is is something that you should evaluate as a manager yeah as an owner of an issue if there's concern For right sure. but that's like a key that's a key thing but i also just think that having having that empathy and having the, I guess, ability to, to, to kind of like leave your um, experience, Mm -hmm. leave your sort of title um, at the front door is what I've learned. Right. If I just sit there and run around to my kids and say, I'm the mom and that's why I might joke about that, but you can't lead 
by throwing a title around right. it's just because you're you've control the the purse right yep. you control yes. that that's not how you develop leadership just because you're the ceo that mm. shouldn't that doesn't make you you know earn earn respect that's right i guess is that is the net of it that doesn't make you want to uh work for a company because you're able to you know work for somebody who's a ceo whatever it right. is or that or mom's making these decisions right you want you want to have you want to be able to lead a company um in a way where you're actually people are inviting that people want it it's obvious that they're yep. like i know you're my mom but i still want your opinion i know you're yes. the ceo but I still want you involved in helping me think about this stuff. So I think an open dialogue in yeah. both cases is also really, really so critical good. to have. And somebody who is relatable, right? Mm -hmm. They they might, you know, I was sharing with my my 16-year-old son last night that I remember as a little kid going to, you know, totally dating myself in the 70s. Yeah. I don't know why I remember this, but I remember a cheeseburger at McDonald's was 39 cents. And he was like, 39 cents? And I, and he said, so what did you do? Like, did you bring like a quarter and like some change or, and I said, yeah. I mean, my dad used to like empty his pockets and I'd take this change. And before yep. I go to gymnastics class, I'd like, do it and he was like that is so crazy we were talking about inflation and so yeah. again the fact that i can contribute and he's like thinking about mm -hmm. he's like how much is a cheeseburger now and i'm like i don't know i haven't gone to mcdonald's in ages so i don't know what sure. the answer is but again those kind of funny stories yep. like that that get him thinking where i can engage instead of not being able to sort of relate in some way to what he's talking about for sure is is what allows you to say, okay, wait, they they kind of have some kind of clue over there. For sure. And if you didn't have that, you know, if he didn't know you were empathetic and, and you know, to, to who he was and have that built in, if you didn't have that relationship develop, if you didn't understand, you know, I love what you said too about developing leadership and, you know, he knows you've got his best interest at heart too and you want to develop him to be a leader who then just wants to have the relationship with you but not, um, you know, in this... Uh, uh, kind of authoritarian sort of fashion, you know, all of those things play into just being able to have those conversations too, you know, so good. It's true. Um, and you mentioned kind of the purpose of, of kind of starting Hint uh, to begin with. And you've got, you know, kind of this interesting journey too. I know you started working very young and you were working at, at 14 and, and go to college and you come out of college and you're working for um, you know, I believe you were working for time and, and kind of had this whole, whole journey, right? What was, what was kind of that moment where you kind of had that purpose behind doing what you're doing with, with Hint? Well, it was, uh, so I started out my, my official career, yeah. I guess I, I did have my jobs when I was 14 and, and, uh, I, I think more than anything, what I, want to say about those is that I always wanted to learn something. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a job, let's say you're walking dogs mm -hmm. in your neighborhood or you're, or, you know, you're waitressing, or I always sat there and thought, what can I learn? Mm -hmm. What do I not know today yep. that would be really, really cool to know? And how do I learn that? And part of it for me was like, I think figuring out how to never be bored. Yeah. Right. Oh. I was that kid that was always annoying my parents and saying, I'm bored. And my parents was, I'm the last to five kids. They'd say, go figure out something to do. Yep. So I figured out that the way to figure out something to do is to, figure out what you don't know yes. in a situation. So I would sit there, I would ride my bike down the street and I would see that there were different lawns and I would, I would see somebody outside and I'd say, 
what kind of lawn do you have? They'd say, excuse me? Like, what a weird question for like an eight-year-old to be asking. And I said, why does your lawn look so green, but other lawns look different? And then they would go on and tell me about it. And then I would go to the next lawn and I would say, what kind of lawn? I have no idea. And I would start these conversations and then I would come home for dinner and, and I would say, do you know that there's like five different types of lawns on this block? That's awesome. And people would be like, really? I I mean, my brothers and sisters and my parents would be like, wait, how do you know this? Well, I rode down the street and the really green lawn was this kind. But I was always asking questions. Did I care about lawns? Not really. I, I mean, I like looking at beautiful lawns, yeah. but it was just, it yep. was the process yeah. of learning something. And I just, just sort of like thought it was interesting too, that people would actually give me information. Yep. I like th- that. And they were very excited to give me this information. Yes. So I mentioned this because I think that that was in every single role when I was buying toys mm. at age 14 that started out, I was doing the cash register yep. and so on a Sunday at the toy store. They want, They didn't want to, nobody wanted to work on Sundays, so they get the kid who's 14 to come in and do the cash register on Sundays. It's not very busy. So I started asking questions like, how do you decide how many toys to buy in every category? Well, that's really interesting. There's different margins. So what's a margin? Yes. Oh, well, a margin is, and, and so I, my mm. brain would just keep expanding and I would keep, and I'd say, well, but if there's low margins in certain categories, then shouldn't you actually not have as many toys in that category? Mm. And then I remember Nancy, the owner saying to me, well, not really, because those are the toys that actually sell the most. So you want to have those. So I'd say, well, so really less is more. And so we would, I would get into these dialogues. That's at age 14. And then again, I would start to learn about margins, things that I wasn't even learning in school. So I always felt like I wanted to have a job because I would make some money that I could go to the mall with, but I, but I never would have a job that I wasn't learning something or that I was working for somebody that wouldn't appreciate my curiosity and my randomness, right? Mm. Like like, asking these weird questions that people were like, wait, what, what are you talking about? And then, and half the time people would laugh at these questions too, because they, because they had never heard somebody asking these questions. They're like, why are you thinking about this? I don't know. I just am. And I'm still like that. That's so, but I'm still, like that's it. But that's, that's what's important, Yes. right? Yes. And that's what's important to sort of get people thinking differently. But also when you start asking people and you know, you show your, your uh, kind of vulnerability mm-hmm. to sort of people think you're random because you're asking these weird questions and, and then it makes them start thinking about things too yep. and they see your curiosity, yep. then they want to call you things like authentic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then, and they want to hang out with you and then they want to tell you the things that they've been thinking about. Yeah. yeah. And then you start these dialogues where all of a sudden it doesn't matter if you're 14 or you're 60, right. You're, you're having these conversations of engagement mm. that are, you know, things that people just don't really talk about. Totally. And yeah. typically, and it's just, so I love that. I love that, man. There's that. But Curi- getting back to your, but well, I just want to say real quick too. Question, like, I just want to yeah. say real quick, like curiosity is an an absolute superpower, right? It's an absolute super because that's what it was. Is that you maintaining that curiosity is what allowed for all those relationships. And I think so much of what I love about what Acton does, you know, is is schooling is a lot of it built around traditional conventional schooling is around well, what do I do? How do I do it? When do I do it? Where do you need me to do it? Whereas life really rewards the why, right? Which is what what you're talking about is the why. Why do we do this? And then why would we do it that way? And then why would we do it that way? And that's what unlocked 
all of those opportunities for really deep, rich, meaningful conversation and understanding. You know, it's that curiosity yeah. and questions are so much better than than answers. And I think that's a prime example of that. So not to interrupt, but I just I absolutely love no, that. No, no, story. I, I, I no, I story. love it. And I think that that's it is it is, you know, Beautiful. A, an example. But again, I didn't I didn't intend yeah. to sort of do that. I still was going to school and, yeah, sure. you know taking my history classes yeah. and, you know, getting the grades and, you know, and yeah. when I didn't understand something, I, I wasn't afraid to like go up and talk to the teacher yep. about how hard things were for me in this subject. And I sort of laugh and say, you know, I'm really good at history, but this one, I'm a little we'll challenged, a little like more. make yeah. fun of yourself, yeah. show your humility yes. um, it, it, throughout the process. But as I mm. was, moving into my first role. So my first real role out of college was, uh, was in the magazine world. And so I wanted to be a writer. I went to school for journalism, uh, but I actually, I did one of the smartest things I've ever done, actually one of them, uh, when I was in college, I took classes in finance because mm friends of mine were taking classes in finance and I didn't understand what they were talking about. Mm. And I didn't, I talked about margin earlier. That was about as far as I went. Yeah. Otherwise math for me was just not, was a topic, a subject that I wasn't really comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I passed the classes that I was in, but I wouldn't say like it was something that I, that was easy for me. Right. So I decided to start taking some finance classes. I actually got a minor in finance Oh wow! and, and it was the hardest thing that I did. Journalism and writing was very, very easy for me. So when I graduated, I thought I'd couple those two things together and go and get a job in magazines because that's where yep. people write in finance, because I thought this is where I'm going to learn. Yeah. This is where I'm not going to gravitate towards stuff that I really enjoy and maybe pop culture and some sure. other stuff. Instead, I'm going to go where I'm going to continue learning where it's a little bit hard. I don't know whether or not I'll get a job doing that or not, but I'm going to try because I'm, I'm, I'm capable yep. of showing up and, and making finance simpler um, for people that might not understand it. So where is that audience? Fortune magazine. So I ended up getting, I flew to New York and ended up trying to get an interview with Fortune magazine. I went to the HR department. I just showed up at the HR department after writing a letter uh, to Fortune magazine, managing editor saying, I'd love to interview for a role at Fortune magazine. He wrote me a note back and said, if you're ever in the New York area, I would love to talk to you. So I held on to that letter and I bought a plane ticket. I invested in myself I and I bought a plane ticket to New York. We didn't get out of Arizona very much growing yeah. up. My parents didn't take us on fancy trips to New York. And, yeah. and so I, I thought I'm going to invest in myself, save my waitressing money and and uh, I had saved it and now I was buying a ticket, got to New York. I couldn't get the interview with Fortune Magazine, but in the same building was a role with Time Magazine. So I said, well, Time's pretty good. Yeah. Like that, that wouldn't be so bad. So I said, is there anything here for me to do? And I ended up getting an interview, nothing crazy fancy yeah. as an executive assistant. Yep. And I thought, well, that's a great entry point. Totally. And um, and eventually I'll work for Fortune magazine, which never happened, by the way. Uh, but instead, I worked for an incredible woman who taught me a lot about leadership, but also taught me a lot about just the journey mm. of of going and doing, you know, what you think you want to be doing. Get, staying curious along the way. And she gave me a ton of responsibility. And I ended up getting recruited out of time a couple of years later to CNN. CNN was a late stage startup. 
Ted Turner was still running around the building, mm -hmm. the visionary entrepreneur saying, we yep. need 24 hour news. There were a lot of people who didn't actually think we needed 24 hour news. Yeah. So the, I, the, the world that I lived in of one day thinking like Ted was going to be able to make it happen. And the next day thinking, I don't know, maybe I should go get a job at ABC or someplace that's much more established. Yeah. Um, and watching that uh, and ultimately was there when CNN got put on the map, yep. um, when, when uh, another country learned that their country was being bombed, um, by watching CNN, that was when CNN was really put on the map, was just a crazy, crazy time. And that's when I really saw that often people don't know what you're talking about as a visionary entrepreneur For sure. until later. Yep. And um, so you can be ahead yep. of people, but they have to catch up to where you're at and it, you have to be patient mm -hmm. and you have to take time and you have to know that you're going to have doubters out there. And um, sometimes those doubters will inf infiltrate into, you know, your world and you have to figure out what you believe. And anyway, <sighs> I ended up leaving New York, coming to the Bay Area. Uh, I had met my husband in New York. We moved out to San Francisco primarily for his job. And he was graduating from law school and technology law. Silicon Valley was where that was mm -hmm. happening. And I wanted to figure out how I was going to get a job with Apple, with this mm -hmm. guy, Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. And that for me was like, he had developed this product that I thought was really interesting. I can't actually say that very many of my friends even knew what I mean, they knew what an Apple computer was, but yeah. I had embraced the design. I had one when I was in college because I was writing papers all the time in journalism, but I just sort of, it, it appealed to me. I didn't know how it worked. I wasn't an engineer, but it appealed to me. And I loved their ads. I loved everything about it and I could speak to it. I couldn't figure out, I didn't try really hard to get a job at Apple. But what I did do was figure out the distance between San Francisco and Cupertino yeah. was more than I wanted to deal with every day. Right. So in my research, I realized that there was this tiny little startup that was uh, spun out of Apple, five guys that had worked for Steve, and they were starting this new company that was doing CD-ROM shopping, where they were taking all the graphics of a catalog and sticking it on disk. I'm like huh, I never really thought about that. Yep. That's kind of cool. Maybe Steve will be there when I go and interview for this job. So I started figuring out, I started emailing, trying to figure out how do I go and get in there, hear kind of what they're doing because I'll learn and yeah. it's interesting, but maybe Steve will actually be there. Yeah. He, was not, he was never there. Um, but what I did then was... I didn't even realize I was in an interview. I just wanted to learn more about the company. Yeah. And then they, they were so interested in the fact that I had worked for this other entrepreneur on the other coast, yeah. Ted Turner yeah. for CNN. And they kept asking me questions about CNN and about Ted Turner. And they were as enamored with him as I was That's with Steve. That's so funny. Yeah. And, and so it's, and so they kept like, you know, asking me different questions. Finally, at the end of our conversation, they said, do you think you can contribute? And I said, what, what do you mean? These are people, all different education levels, PhDs, engineers, very different. Mm -hmm. And they said, you're, you kind of have different experience than we do. And we kind of like you. Yeah. I, like I was learning about culture yep. there yep. a little bit, but not really knowing that I was learning about it. Yeah. And they said, but do you think you can contribute? And I said, well, what did you have in mind that I would do? Yeah. And they said, well, can you go out to catalogers and talk to them about bringing their catalog onto this disc? And I figured what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Like they fire me. Yeah. You're terrible. You, you need to like go away. Who cares? I just thought it'd be really 
fun because eventually maybe Steve would show up and yep. I'd meet him and then I could really get that real job <laughs> yeah, at Apple right, that I right. really want. But that, but instead what I realized was that I had no, there was no roadmap and I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just going and doing it mm. and I was pretty good at it. And then one of our investors came in and a, a company called America Online and they acquired us a year later. And they said, you know, all that stuff that you're doing for this little company called Two Market, can you do that for America Online? We would really like your help in building out this. So suddenly I'm the youngest vice president at AOL. I'm one of the few women at that level. Mm -hmm. I'm traveling all over the place, all over the world. And I am building out this marketplace. I had no idea what I was doing. No one was doing what we were doing. People didn't think e-commerce and shopping was actually going to happen. This yep. is 1996. Yep. And seven years later, it's a billion dollars in revenue to AOL. So beyond my expectations, um, that was, was occurring right in front of me. And in the meantime, I was building out my family in San Francisco, um, you know, very excited to spend time with them, listening to my, you know, elders out there, not just my family, but yeah. also, you know, colleagues saying like, don't miss these years with your young kids. Sure. And, uh, and that's when I decided I want to take a break. And it, it was, it's, it's funny. So many people ask me, did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur? You worked for either directly or indirectly, Steve Case, Steve Jobs, Ted, Ted Turner, yeah. amazing entrepreneurs. Yep. Did you know that you were going to do what you were going to do? Go start at this beverage company. Yeah. I'm like, no, not, I mean, not at all. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I didn't know, yeah. but I had this idea while I was living my life, while I was feeding my kids, while I was doing what came naturally to me mm -hmm. and what I was passionate about, to get healthier for my family, not only my kids, yep. but also me. And it was at that moment, while I was sort of softly interviewing with different tech jobs, because at this point, I had taken some time off, the word had gotten out that I was potentially going to come back mm -hmm. in and start working. I had a big network in tech. Um, but I just, I didn't want to do exactly what I had done mm -hmm. at AOL. And it's, it's interesting. Maybe anyone, maybe you appreciate this. Like when you do something really, really well, people want you to mimic it, yep. right? They, they want you to come and work for me and do exactly what you did at AOL yep. better. But we see what you built, go do it here. And I could do that, but I kept thinking, I wonder what else I could do. Mm -hmm. Like that, it'd be really fun to go. I mean, I could do that, but I want to go do something else. Yep. And that was the moment when I decided in the meantime, I'm going to get healthy. I'd been an athlete. I knew how to exercise and I p started paying attention to more of what I was putting in my body. And it wasn't until I had pretty much given up because nothing was shifting, my weight wasn't shifting, my skin that had developed terrible adult acne wasn't getting better, and I thought, maybe this is the way that I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was when I finally, by accident, looked down at my can of diet soda, where I saw all of these different ingredients that I had just sort of glazed over those for years. I never looked at the labels on packaging. And it was at that moment when I thought, wow, what am I putting in my body? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be putting it in my body and let me do a test. Yep. This is something that we did in the, in the uh, internet world, the technology world. Yeah, running that. Because we didn't know, yep. right? So you go and test you Run things. a test, yep. You run a test. So I'm running a test on myself just to see. I'm sto I stopped drinking diet diet soda. My husband says to me, you've been drinking diet soda since you were 14 years old. Mm. I mean, what, like, how, how do you just stop? And I said, you just set your mind to it and you say no more. And it, 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 
it sounded like it was going to be easy. It wasn't yeah. easy. The next two and a half weeks were really, really hard because what I realized is that I was addicted yeah. to these sweeteners. And I really started thinking, I was curious about it. I really started thinking about it. Do you have like a physiological then, response? Yeah, yeah. And it was, and I started asking questions again, you know, yep. going back to my curiosity, like why is it so hard for people to stop drinking a product? Right. And then I started thinking about what I was really craving was sweet. And mm -hmm. I wanted that sweet every, mm -hmm. every day. And I, for me, a lot of people also crave, they, they crave salt or they crave sweet. Right. And I think that's genetic to some extent, yeah. but then also other people crave bubbles, right? Yeah. That for me was easy. Like I didn't necessarily need the bubbles yeah. that I was getting from the soda. Some people do. do. Yeah. And I think like, that's what I also share with people too, whole other episode, but is that something that, you know, people just become aware of how you think about things and what you're sort of wanting in, in a drink. Right. Totally. So, Anyway, just getting back to uh, the diet soda, what I realized after two and a half weeks, just by giving up the diet soda, is I stopped. Uh, I I stopped gaining weight. I in fact lost weight. I lost over twenty pounds in two and a half weeks. Wow. My skin cleared up, and also my stomach that I yep. had had a bad stomach for years, yep. thinking it's probably something in the food that I'm eating. It was actually, you know these drinks. Yep. And so that was the moment when I thought, I figured this out. There's only one problem. I swapped it out for plain water yeah. and plain water was so darn boring to yeah. me. And that's why I never drank it in the first yeah, place. So totally. I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water. And people started asking me like, oh, that's really interesting. I don't like water either, but you have a whole pomegranate in your water. You walk around with pomegranate in your water. I was like, yeah, it's kind of a hassle because sometimes I don't have enough fruit or, sure. you know, I don't want the fruit with the pesticides on it or whatever. Like I had to have like these certain things. Yep. And I also wanted this variety. And I thought, why the heck isn't somebody doing a drink that just has fruit and water and nothing else? Yep. Everything had sweeteners, sugar or diet sweeteners. And my curiosity led me to the grocery store and I started looking and I looked everywhere in San Francisco. I had a trip planned out to the East Coast yeah. the next week and I, I started looking there. I looked in you know, specialty stores like the Whole Foods of the world. I looked in Costco's, nobody had this product. And I thought, while I'm in this hiatus, what, I wonder how, I wonder if I could just start this because if I could actually start a company that helps people, mm -hmm. that's really cool, right? Like I had, I felt like I had solved the Rubik's group yep. cube by, by, you know, figuring this thing out that about my own body that no one had told me was, you know, the, the clue. Yeah. I mean, no one had, had showed me that or told me that. And I also started to look at you know, the, the diet industry yeah. and how, how many people are on, you know, different diets, they spend billions of dollars no on dieting. No and doubt. yet it might not be about food at all. Mm -hmm. It might actually be this one simple thing yeah. that you, that you have to make a change over. And again, like every single day, it just kept sticking with me. And I thought if I can actually solve this problem for billions of people, that would just be so cool. Totally. And and that was how Hint started. That's, I mean, you're talking about some of the basics of, of kind of entrepreneurship 101. It's this maintaining that curiosity throughout. And then a lot of times, you know, as you all know, it's it's the the entrepreneur is looking for a solution to his or her own issue his or her own problem and they start to realize okay i want to solve this problem for me but as i'm solving this problem for me there's a bunch of other people that seem like they're having this issue and oh my gosh well why can't i just go ahead and help all of them as well 
You know, I mean, that's, that's really a big part of that entrepreneurial roadmap. And if we're, uh, as long as we're outside of that, you know, that linear thinking where we think one thing has to lead to another, if we've got that curiosity maintained and are willing to fire aim ready and kind of pull that trigger and not be complacent on it with that roadmap. I mean, that's how so many beautiful things start. That's so, Absolutely. I love it. So cool. I, I remember, I don't remember where, but I do remember, um, being at an airport, uh, and for, you know, six or seven years I spent, uh, multiple, traveling. oh my goodness, multiple days a week, um, you know, traveling all, all over the world. And I do remember seeing hint for the first time at an airport. And I remember it was, and I remember grabbing the apple and, and, and buying that and going, oh my gosh. And I remember taking a picture and sending it to my wife and going, Hey, I've never seen these before. I don't know if you've seen it. Again, I don't remember where in the heck in the world I was, but I said, you know, this is this is interesting. You gotta check this out. Like this is really good. I actually really like that. And that's where I had started getting introduced was on, you know, I'd I'd go in through the checkout because you can't bring water through the through the uh, TSA screenings, you know, and so it started becoming part of my routine. I'd go through the go through the TSA and then as I'd go to grab some waters for, for the flights and stuff, I would go to whatever the little shops were and I would start looking for, for hints and grab like two or three I of those and it. throw in the backpack. Um, so, you know, but it is, it's, um, that whole, that whole story and maintaining the curiosity. I absolutely love that. Um, do you think it's a, you think it is kind of a, a DNA thing, that curiosity, or do you think it was something that was kind of fostered, uh, you know, based on kind of the way your parents parented, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're saying I'm bored and them going like, Hey, go figure it out. And, and I do the same with Mike. Hey, I'm bored. I say, you can't be bored. You can only be boring. So go, go do something. So you're not boring. You know, do you think it was that? Do you think it was a little of both? Where do you think that kind of came from? It's so true. I, well, I definitely think it was helpful to be the last of five kids yeah, because sure. I think my parents were <laughs> like, we're done. Um, We've we're done re- four. <laughs> yeah, we're finished. Let's, uh, you know, let you go do it. But I, I think that it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, who really knows if it, if it is a little bit genetics mm-hmm. though, too, but I think more than anything, it was, there were so many components. I mean, my dad was, I, I call my dad in my book, a frustrated entrepreneur uh-huh. um, because he was never an entrepreneur. He worked for a large company. He developed a product within a large company. The product was called Healthy Choice. Mm-hmm. And he developed it at Armour Food Company and and they were uh, later acquired by a company called ConAgra. And it's, uh, it's interesting because as a kid, I would watch him, you know, developed these great ideas and it had purpose. And, you know, he was really afraid to kind of leave Mm -hmm. a large company because I think in in many ways, um, just thinking back on it too, writing the book sort of helped me kind of solve the puzzle there too. Like, I think what he, he really worried about being able to put food on the table, right. For all of us and, and be able to pay for all of our sports. And, you know, he wanted us all to go to college, all of these things, which for him, he valued, right. And, and they were very, very important to him, but he also wasn't going to, you know, throw those things over our head all the time and say, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, he was very gracious and sort of how he talked about it, but you know, one a, a very instrumental time for me was when I was in high school, my my dad was laid off. He had dedicated in mm. my mind so much of his life to this company and he was laid off because he didn't have an MBA. Mm. And that was the 80s. Mm-hmm. The 80s were really about like, that was, if you didn't have an MBA, yeah. you were yep. laid off. Yep. And, you know, he really mm. kicked himself for not sort of following, you know, the, the, not believing that it could happen to him. And, and so he ultimately ended up getting a job a couple of years later. Um, but I think it was just, he felt like, he felt like if he, if he was going to be eliminated, if he, you know, was able to go and do, um, a company, like, why didn't he do it? Mm. I think that he really started to kind of think about what is, uh, you know, what is loyalty? Mm -hmm. I think I remember him saying that and, and thinking, you know, 
gosh, maybe I should have done it a lot earlier mm. before it was too late. Be mm. And I still didn't think it was too late for him. But ultimately, he ended up getting his job back because yeah. he had relationships with suppliers. So yeah. all these like little pieces, I think, helped me in my journey to yep. sort of do what I do today. But for at sure. the time, I remember them being, you know, my dad's laid off. There yeah. wasn't as much money. Yep. I had to cut back on, you know, sports, like things like that. That's what kids do, right? Yep. You look at it from your point of view and your world. Right. But all of those challenging and all of those hard times, frankly, that surrounded me were things that I look back on. I'm like, you know what? That was really important to me. Totally. That was like really hard for my dad and the rest of my family. But those things made me realize a lot of things about how large companies work, yep. how you think everything's fine and then they're not. Yeah. Uh, like, what do you do to make sure that when things go wrong, you have enough money You're still in the bank? Okay. Yep. Right? Yep. You're still okay. All of those kind of lessons, mm. we, yeah. we were still, we never lost our house. We were able to eat all of those kind of things, but it wasn't a comfortable time. Right. It was a disruptive time, but right. I lived through it. Yep. And so the more of those that you have in your journey, you thank yourself for being able to experience those, even that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right? right. to some extent. That's right. Right. But it's and like, I got a lot of those. I mean, right. But that's and so that's it, I think man. like that's an important lesson. And it goes back to what we were talking about right at the, at the beginning with with your son too. It's those experiences. It's collecting those experiences that allow you to have those perspectives later. And you can use those perspectives to then guide your decisions going forward. And you can use totally. those perspectives to go back and go, okay, I got through that. I'm going to be able to get through this. I can see where that helped guide me to a more clear understanding of something else. Like it, those are beautiful things that you are, it's hard in the moment, but you are absolutely thankful for those later. Yeah, so, totally. so true. Um, I know we only have a few more minutes because I know you have a hard out, but there's definitely one of the questions that's on here that came through from some young people that um, that I'd be interested to ask too. So one of the questions that comes from them is, what would you want to see? You know, you shared the story of you getting on, you know, writing that letter, getting on the plane to go to New York, to, to go in front of Fortune and then going ahead and jumping in, like all, all those opportunities that you're grasping um, to to have the experiences that you got to have. What would you want to see from a young person right now? And this is a young, you know, male or female that comes out of high school, or maybe they just come out of college and they're going, hey, we really want to come work at Hint. We really want to come. What is there anything in particular you're looking for from those young people that make you go, okay, I'm going to give it, I'm going to take a shot on this young person right here? Yeah. I mean, I think it's seeing the curiosity. Yeah. And I yep. think it's actually seeing the tenacity. Yeah. Right. And sometimes that's really hard to see. I think that's the reason why, look, I, I look back as, as hard as athletics was, mm -hmm. you know, on mm -hmm. some moments I look back and, and that's something that many, many entrepreneurs have done athletics, at least through high school. That's right. And, and I think that what you see in those people is the ability to brush themselves back off right yep. after they've fallen yep. and get back up again know that they aren't gonna always be the best um that they're not always gonna get you know the pat on the back yeah. right that you that you've got this resiliency mm -hmm. you live undaunted yes. you know all all of those all of those things but i think that it's not just about going back to sort of where they came from, from school. It's not just about getting the, the assignment. Mm. Think about it that way. Mm -hmm. Like you get the job. It doesn't stop there. That's where the, that's where that's the where start. execution starts. Right. And so whether you're starting a company or you're joining a company, it's really the same thing. Yeah. It's the execution yep. and it's the ability to get up every morning and be diligent mm. and be organized. And, and you may not know exactly what you're doing. Having a curiosity mm. 
not sitting in curiosity land forever either. Like imagine yeah. if you had a an, an assignment in school and you just continued to ask questions, ask questions. At some point, you pull, need point, to start executing. Pull the trigger, yeah. Pull the trigger and yep. see if you're going in the right direction. Yep. And, and I think that it's the same things that apply to getting that first job. Absolutely. You have to jump in there and and start executing mm. and again showing that you're trying showing that you're curious still yep. but also that you have tenacity and that you're going to figure something out because those are valuable valuable assets in in a company no you've got people doubt. that are right it, that they're constantly trying but they're also achieving not all the time yeah they they'll fail they'll you know not hit the mark um but they they are reminding themselves and others that why they're here that's right and i think that that is the most valuable thing to think about when you when you get that job sage advice my friend oh i know you got a heart out here in, in a minute and, and Kay made sure i was yeah. i was on it so but i'm like I, I could talk to you all day. I love this. Curious about so just your fun. own journey. So awesome. Um, before you go, please tell people about your book. Your book was fantastic, by the way. Thank you for sending that. Thank Very you. well done. I want you to tell people about your book and anywhere that you want people to go to find out more. Yeah, it's called Undaunted, Overcoming mm -hmm. Doubts and Doubters. Uh, it's also on Audible. I have a copy here. and uh, But it's it's really, it's great if you want to be an entrepreneur, but it's also just great to kind of share what it's like to actually go through life and not necessarily be um, sort of knowing exactly where you're headed, but believing that no matter where you're headed, you're going to figure a lot of stuff out and you're going to do great stuff. Dang right. So grateful for you, Kara. Thank you so awesome. much. Thank you. There you go, man. Great conversation. Get out there. Give her a follow on Kara Golden on IG. Go out there and grab the book. And of course, go grab some Hint Waters. And while you're at it, feel free to share the episode. Let people know what is going on over here with the Essential 11. And we absolutely appreciate all the support. We'll talk to you guys later.